Hello and welcome to Motorsport Now. Here today we have Phil Hall. I decided to get a, another co-driver on just to get another perspective because everyone's had different experiences and having Claire on my first podcast was fantastic because she's so involved with motor clubs and she's had a, a different experience to Phil. And Phil, I didn't realise, to be honest, quite how much he's done. So he started off, and obviously we'll go into this in the podcast, but he started off getting involved when he was just eight years old. And now at 30-something, he's done WRC events. He's just hopped on the plane to Australia and America when people have called, and he's opened up many doors for himself and seized opportunities. And I think it is, again, really inspiring for people coming up through the sport, especially as navigators co-drivers and he's got some really key stuff um so i hope you enjoy it as ever please like review subscribe and share the word about the podcast and please get in touch if you've got any suggestions at all i'd love to hear them the support that i've had so far has been fantastic so thank you ever so much to everyone who has listened and liked and subscribed um but without any further ado here is phil i'm phil hall i'm a rally co-driver i've been competing in rallying since i was 12 or 13 uh i'm 31 now and um most of the time i'm competing in world championship events at the moment tell us a little bit about your first event when was it 2005 um the end of 2005 and then my uh i only did one that that year i think one or two and then the, the 2006 was when i really got into rallying um on, on a bigger scale so my first event was the Lynn Charity Stage is a single venue event. I did it uh, in a Citroen AX GT that my dad and I had built. We built it for road rallying. So I've been road rallying before that because if you do that, if you did the maths, that's not that's not that long ago. Um, and we we turned it into a stage rally car, and I was driven on that then um, by Tracy Wood, like someone from my club who I've been doing road rallies with, and we were just like, "Do you fancy driving?" on some stages i think she'd done a couple before then and we were, she was like yeah okay i'll drive that <laughs> um uh, unfortunately i think the radiator died quite early on um but yeah that was my first event and it was it was all the drama as usual <laughs> yeah oh, right it's always true <laughs> and how's your 2020 season going up until everything stopped uh so actually uh this year's a different year for me uh i'm taking a year to sort of focus on my career development in rallying so uh i didn't have a don't have a full-time seat this this year competing in anything in particular um and that was mostly because i felt like i needed to, to develop myself a bit more uh i'm looking for an opportunity to step into sort of rally, wrc2 or now it's called sort of rally2 um and although i'm i feel like i'm ready for that i, I wanted to sort of make sure that i could do all the things I wanted to do and just take a, a relook at my career. I've been doing it for a while now. Uh, I've been doing full-time rallying since 2015. So I just thought take a year to, to build, build my, my own sort of situation and opportunities up and go from there. So it's been really cool. I've been to uh, Monte Carlo in Sweden, but not competing, just, just uh, doing some bits and bobs in Sweden. I was there with, with M sport, um, I've been doing sort of meteor crew and coordination stuff with them for the last few years and they've really been helping me out um, sort of learn events that I wouldn't normally go to. Like I went to Chile 
last year with with them to see what those stages and stuff were like so so that's kind of what this year is all about i've been working hard on my fitness and just getting getting ready and then obviously coronavirus arrived um we had some sort of plans coming together to maybe do some rallying over the summer and towards the end of the year in, in r5 and stuff and then um obviously that's not happened so what you were saying before though is, is really important because naively a lot of people do think that it's just the navigator or co-driver's job to read out pace notes and that's it could yeah. you go into some more detail about what's included as the full package as a a full-time navigator that's that does this all the time so that's kind of why I, I used to be in the Royal Air Force uh, full time. And that's effectively why I, I went to sort of being a reserve is because it takes up so much of your time to uh, do co-driving at a, a, a significant level properly. Um, as you go up the scale, there's more and more stuff that you have to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean about quality because there's some really, really good co-drivers at sort of a club level that don't have to spend the days and days and days and days because there's not so much information to use. But that doesn't mean it's any less quality. It's the sheer quantity of stuff. Um, so when I'm preparing for a rally, you know, you're looking at onboard videos to, to make sure if you've got notes from last year, that they match up with where the stages goes. You stitch, you're putting page notes from previous years together to make the stages because they don't always go the same way. So you have to find where the junctions are and match them up. Um, you're doing, depending on what team you're working in, you've got logistics planning to do, how you're going to get the team out there. If you're working with a big team, then they'll probably have a coordinator, but they often need support. And you, you work, because a co-driver, you work with them to help that. A lot of the responsibility for you and the driver will fall to you. So I do things like you get reconnaissance plans to, to, to where you're going to be and when you're going to be there. You have to factor in things like breaks and, and how long you think it's going to take. Um, because on for example, World Rally Championship events, Rebecca can be three days long. And for example, on Corsica, you might have to end up going from one side of the island to the other side of the island, booking hotels that you wouldn't normally stay in because it's going to take you four hours to drive to that next stage to Rebecca. So you need to stay overnight out there um fuel we look at fuel plans and things like that so it's quite it's quite involved before the event the majority of the work actually if you're gonna if you do it properly and, and you, you're looking at um sort of hours put in is it, you do more work before the event than you actually put in in hours over, over the rally weekend um so that's something if people want to progress as co-drivers they need to sort of be prepared for and, and understand that you can't really just have a quick look through the videos and and then rock up on the weekend and expect it all to go right you need to build up the capacity in your brain to uh be able to deal with the weird things that happens on rallies because all sorts of random stuff happens on rallies reroutes and delays and stuff like that um so the more preparation you can do beforehand the the, the better you'll you'll be and the more organized you'll be yeah there's a few things you said there i kind of picked up on so from your raf uh, work you've done you've obviously become quite a perfectionist and knowing you're very good at being on time and you're very organized so if you do have things thrown at you that must be quite difficult but as you say you try and plan for everything around you yeah i think actually um you, you mentioned my rf background which is actually a really good point because it does make you really organized and really punctual and on time and and a bit and very focused on details but it also 
kind of makes you comfortable with the unknown like you, you know you don't always know everything and and um quite good at uh reacting to situations in a measured way so it, it's both sides of that coin really so and i kind of feel like that's really important for someone who is running the co-driver position because you can do all of this planning you literally can do all of this planning and then you turn up to a rally and there's been floods or spectator problems or you know uh a road's been closed road works and you've got to kind of wing it on the fly and make it and make it all work somehow often while with no phone signal so you don't really know what the organizers want you to do and sometimes you just have to take that responsibility and be like we're going to just go and do we've got to go and do this because we'll sort it out afterwards with the organizers um and hopefully we won't get uh we won't get any problems you know you've got to be a bit flexible at times and i asked um restates this question but obviously from a slightly different perspective being an navigator so i say navigator is it navigator or co-driver or does it not matter i'm never sure generally co-drivers um in in sort of stage rallying for sure people are referred to certainly at the moment in current sort of current times as a, as, as co-drivers um i don't really know the the full backgrounds for that but my understanding of it is really because in order to compete in international rallies um co-drivers have to hold the same classification of license as the drivers so in theory you could drive the rally car so you're a co-driver yes because you um, drive in between stages sometimes and road sections you can I, i've done that in places like, places where there's long transits like in australia and and some of the parts of gb as well i've driven the the fiesta on on road sections um but it's also, I think it's to do with licensing and stuff like that, but generally that's how people are referred to us as co-drivers. And I think that might be where it came from. If anyone knows the real reason, please let me know. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's just, <laughs> I'm never quite sure which one to like. I, didn't, I didn't know if one was kind of meant to be hired either, but well, if, that's, if you're happy with either. I'll in sort of road, in road rallying and uh, navigation trials and stuff like that, navigator, 100%, generally, it's been a while since I've done a road rally, but navigator's the, the term. But when you're doing stage rallying and definitely an international level, I've it's never really referred to as navigator. It's co-driver or co-pilot if you're in France or somewhere like that. Okay, well, you can get fancy. Um, and <laughs> sorry, just coming back to that question then. So I asked Reese Yates, what's the weirdest pace note he's ever used? Have you had anything, because obviously you sat with quite a few people, has anyone said, right, can you say this? This means that, and no one else would know what it means apart from you two in the car. I was actually listening to Reese's interview uh, the other day, and I was thinking about this question, and there's a few, but I probably can't say them on here because uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because they, they involve not messing things up. Um, uh, I know Reese Pinter in Australia has, has a particular note we came up with, which basically means go absolutely flat out and don't mess this up because if you do it's going to be a big accident um and the initials were dbs uh, people can work that out for themselves but um in terms of really really odd pace notes i've had a few but none really really jumped to mind i've had a couple of squishes which are odd that's where the it's where the, the, the car is going through a compression but and, and it's not really a dip but the, the car will push down on its suspension I've had, I've had a couple of those um 
Yeah, I, like I said, I was listening to Reese's interview and I was running through that, but I forgot to come up. It's quite a case, squish is quite weird, but it does kind of make sense, so I kind of get that. Um, you said about Australia, so what countries have you competed in? Oh, we were doing this count the other day. I think, um, well, I've competed on, all, on six continents. Um, and so I've done North America. So I uh, did the USA and Canada, uh, Japan, uh, Australia, New Zealand, South America. South America was awesome. Really, really cool. Um, and then we've done most of the European events, uh, obviously the UK, uh, Finland, Latvia, Germany, Austria, and that's and oh, more. Uh, Africa. I went out to Africa. I didn't actually compete in Africa. I went to the Safari Rally to do recce. I think that's about it. So we were working out the other day. I've done twenty-five WRC rallies in twelve countries. So um, I probably haven't listed all twelve. Then I can't remember. I haven't got. I haven't looked at my EWRC for a while, <laughs> so I can't remember. But um, I think my my favourite country um, to compete in is is probably Finland or New Zealand. Um, Finland for because I spent so much time there with the Toyota Toyota um, team and it was just I really loved being out there uh, and New Zealand is just an incredible country really really cool and the roads are just the ra- the rally roads are fantastic. I was really looking forward to maybe getting out there this year, but uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen now. Yeah, I have to see. So with you travelling to so many different places, what are the key essentials for you as a co-driver that you must not forget? Oh, I, I, I'm super paranoid. Super paranoid. <laughs> I check everything. Um, I, I've got to the airport before and had my bag out on the floor in, in, uh, in check-in, checking that I've put like all, all the stuff unpacked to make sure that I've put something in. And it's usually something crazy. Like I'll be, I'll be on the train down. I'll be like, did I put my race boots in? I can't remember. I have, of course, of course, I have. But I have to have everything out. So it must, must have travel, um, travel stuff. Uh, um, or maybe just co-driver stuff. Like how many pencils do you carry? How many pens? Like yeah. So I always carry lots. Of, I use pens actually rather than pencils these days. Uh, there's these erasable pens you can get. James Morgan put me onto it actually in uh, Spain couple of years ago and they're really really good because uh, they don't smudge and they're really easy to write with so I get I use those erasable pens and I usually bring about 20 because <laughs> I, I lose them everywhere it sounds proper geeky but it's so you need it don't you and people don't necessarily know every time I go out to Australia I'd always get a, a message a text message from Reese Pinter about two or three weeks later when he's had the car all stripped down saying I've got 14 of your pens here what do you want me to do with them um so yeah pens and I use, I always take one thing that people always take the mickey out of me for I, I take a pillow I, I always um some some co-drivers have like a a, a recce like board or or something that they take with them and they take it with them everywhere yeah. but I don't do that I borrow a, a, a pillow from the hotel I'm staying in and I, oh, and I say borrow they because sponsor I use it. Yeah, they sponsor your, your rally by yeah, donating yeah, I, a pillow. <laughs> I, 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 usually, I usually remember to return it. Um, it doesn't ever get left in the back of a hire car by accident. Um, but yeah, so a pillow is a hugely... It's what Nikki Gris put me onto the pillow. It was really good because it's something to rest your pace notes on and so they don't bounce around. But it's also something that you can sort of stabilise everything. I, I can. It's like a table, a soft table. It works yeah. really, really well. Um, and like I say, some some co-drivers have the same one that they take everywhere with them and and put in their bag. But I don't really do that. I just take one off the bed 
in the hotel and, and if try it works. To take it back. Yeah, yeah it works. Um, other than that, I always take spare batteries um, for stuff, and I have a range of them, really weird ones, like ones for my watch, but also uh, the 9-volt ones, because even though all the intercoms are wired in these days, it's amazing what runs off a 9-volt battery, AAA. Yeah, I've got this bag, which is like a big pencil case, and it's just full, full of random stuff, like zip ties, tape. So are you still one of those adults that goes through the sales and just before September when you've got all the school's back adverts, you go oh, and you case? <laughs> I spend a fortune in stationery, absolute fortune in stationery. Because um, uh, that's another thing. I, I hate going to, a, for, like, say, pens, pencils and stuff like that. I, I had a pen run out on me once in Australia. Yeah, in mid-stage. And that was the... the one of the things I'm most proud of, but also least proud of, because I should never have got the position where the pen ran out. But at the same time, changing a pen mid-stage, mid-recce in Australia was, was kind of quite a cool move. Um, but since then, I, I have to take new stuff. You were talking to Reese about stuff that you have to do yeah. um, before a rally. I can't mm. start a rally with, with like half-used pens and pencils. They have to be brand, brand new out of the box before we go. Um, likewise with batteries and watches and stuff i have to change the battery before every round do you I just have like a room in your house that just loads of pillows batteries pens that just aren't <laughs> kind of i could probably have i could probably have a container to be honest you know one of those uh iso containers we moved house recently and the amount of stuff that i've got that's rally related like is is quite was quite shocking um and the amount of pace notes I've got as well, just road books and pace notes from random events in places and stuff like that. Um, I think I think I've got a cupboard full, like a proper cup-sized understairs cupboard, just full of pace notes and, and all like ordered and labelled and, and and stuff. You're such a co-driver, aren't you? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> and road rallying is where you started, so that's pretty intense for a navigator, isn't it? You know. Oh yeah, that was a long. I mean. That was a long time ago. So I started road rallying when I was 12. Um, my dad and I built built the Citroen that we talked about. Um, my dad's been rallying for years and years, a rally driver. So I'd always wanted to get into it and I harassed him into letting me have a go. So we built the car and I went road navigating on that when I was, I must've been 12 or 13. But I didn't go into really serious stuff. There's some stuff they do in like Wales that is just really, really hardcore stuff. I was doing uh, lighter stuff out, out where I live, sort of Nottinghamshire way. Um, I did that for two or three years until I was 16. But then as soon as I turned 16, I was straight into a stage rally car. Um, and I did, the back then it was the BRC Stars of the Future, uh, the 1400s. Oh, um, but road rallying, I think it's such a really good way to start. It taught me to read maps really well and think about things in a, a different way. Um, planning your time really well uh and and it's really good for managing stress because it can can be quite challenging working out where you've got to go and stuff like that so as a starting point for navigators 100 percent recommend getting involved in in road rallying somehow either marshalling and then stepping into the car or go straight into the car because it does if you want to go into stage rallying it will lead you there if you want to go that way but people do just do road rallying and it's fantastic sport um and uh and i i said earlier i don't do enough of it i, I really should do go back and do some every year i our motor club runs a road rally and i do uh, the bruce robinson 
and I do do something on that every year if I can. Sometimes it clashes with Sweden and sometimes it doesn't. When it doesn't, I'm usually like running the course opener or the course closer car or marshalling or something. But every year I, I think, am I going to enter it? And then something comes up and I can't enter it because of like something happening the day after or whatever. So uh, I would love to do some more of that. But I think at the moment I need to focus on stage traveling. One of the, the key things as a driver and navigator is the relationship that you form whilst you're in the car and you do have to learn to trust each other and have you know quite a lot of mutual respect but it doesn't stop you from having you know those moments um in terms of obviously you're gonna go off at some point could you and I hope this isn't insensitive but could you tell us about your scariest moment is that okay oh that's dead easy that is really really easy um because uh I've had a few I've had a few crashes it happens um Usually when I kind of budget at one big crash year, like that's just what's, what's kind of standard. Like you, you, I think that's probably a good way of just, that's not being pessimistic. It's just like, if you, if you go in the right way, you probably, if you're going in the right way, you're probably going to have one mistake, uh, you know, where the car hits something or, or something goes wrong and, and that's probably going to happen. And that's kind of followed on. Like we have kind of had that. There have been some other years, but there's one accident that we had, um, that really wasn't wasn't pleasant and um we went we were in um i was in finland it was on the toyota program and we went we were doing a a snow rally and we went off uh into a snowbank but we went in upside down and it the snow pushed the windscreen in and so the windscreen hit me in the face i don't really know what happened to hiroki as in, I don't know if it hit him or not, but it definitely hit me in the face. Um, and then the car filled up with snow, just because it all, because all the snow came. It was like it's like a someone pushing a pushing a, a dustpan through a snowbank. It just all filled up. You were upside and, um, down. Yeah, we went upside down, and that was quite that was quite scary. That was definitely my scariest moment in a rally car because you you couldn't get out. It wasn't even like being in water because you could maybe swim out, but that was just. We just had to wait there. It was a really weird feeling. Just had to sit there and wait for uh, spectators to dig us out. And we didn't even know if there's any spectators there because it's Finland. Well, the, to be fair, it is Finland, so there's going to be spectators there. They're mad. They're brilliant spectators. But um, yeah, it took them quite a long time to dig us out, get the doors open. We couldn't get Hiroki out. Uh, they got me out first because mine was the only door that would open. Um, but yeah, that's definitely my my scariest moment in a rally car was. Um, was that one because we were just completely packed in with snow and I was thinking it's very much like I mean I do some mountaineering and you do like avalanche you learn about avalanches and stuff and it, it felt like I'd imagine that would so that was quite scary um the only other one that's been bad um but it wasn't wasn't that level of scariness it was just like oh this one the one where we went off in Finland that happened really quickly and the aftermath was where it was scary um, when we went, I went. I was uh, co-driving for um, uh, Karan Patel in the DMAX series, and we were in Spain. And we were having a fair play. We were having a bit of a push in one of the last stages in Spain, and we went off this cliff because we just we got a line. I don't know what happened. We don't really know what happened, but we ended up running wide, and there was no guardrail. Funny enough, been been back there the uh, last couple of years rallying, and they put a guardrail there now. Uh, but there wasn't one when we arrived at it and there was like a 10 meter drop uh, and that was scary because um, 
just in the moment because you were like, I don't actually know how how far down this this goes. Um, it took I heard it took had to close the road for four hours and get a, a like a specialist crane to reach down to lift us out. It was it was a good effort to be fair, but they're the only two ones that stand out to me as as I don't you don't really get scared like. I don't think you could be a co-driver if you get scared of the possibility of crashing because um, because you, you just wouldn't do it, would you? But I think uh, there are moments where you're like, mm, the consequences of this could be quite big. That That's kind of where you come from. I, I've never, I've never been scared in a rally car at speed. Like when, when we when you're throwing around, no matter how sideways you've gone, even when you've been going backwards down the stage because they've spun it halfway or something uh, at speed, I've not been thinking, oh God, I want to get out or anything like that. But there have been like, those, particularly those two points where you're thinking the consequences of what's just yeah. happened could be quite high. Um, I'm not really sure what the result of this is going to be. Uh, but yeah, like I say, it's like managed risk. You know, yeah. uh, I think it, pe people like to say to co-drivers, how could you do that? Because you're not in control of a car. But it's like what you talked about earlier. It's like mutual trust. I've got a job to do. And if I do it really well, that mitigates a huge amount of the risk for the driver. And I trust the driver that's driving to do as best a job as they can do to keep us on the road, but also go really quickly. And people make mistakes and if that results in a crash well we, we're both in the car and and that's why we're here you know that that decision so mm -hmm. i think um what you talked about earlier about mutual trust is is also mutual risk and um it's really important when you have a rally crew like that yeah that's super important isn't it i guess you just wouldn't get in with someone that you didn't trust i suppose you must you must have a good gauge of that nowadays because you've done quite a few events um yeah you you I think the important things with um, with drive with driver co-drive relationship is having fun. That's the most important thing. You know, you've got to be competitive and stuff like that, but you've got to have fun together um, because you spend a lot of time together, hours and hours and hours together. So you've got to have fun, and also you've got to have that mutual respect and trust that you're both on the top of your game and you both um, both know where each other is at. You know, you can't you can't pretend to be something you're not. Like a co-driver can't pretend to be more experienced or better than they are, uh, and, and a driver can't pretend to be a faster or or more experienced driver than they are. They are because that that comes in the heat of competition. That becomes very apparent. So there's there's no point going there. Um, I think honesty between a crew is really really important. And um, if you're both on the same page, it, it's a really really good sport. <laughs> it's really good yeah. fun. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, you have to enjoy it as well. I think, you know, some people have said who have been said they they perform best when they're enjoying it, which is yeah, yeah. that's what it's all about, isn't it? Really, hundred percent. You've got to be really relaxed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you obviously you worked through the rounds, going from road running to stage and then international. Um, can you just give me a, a brief um, history of your highlights of your career so far? Yeah. Uh, so highlights. Um, Road riding was great. Uh, good introduction to the sport. In fact, I started before that because I started navigating my dad's service van when I was eight. But um, so yeah, then road riding was great. Uh, I went and did the BR British Championship Stars of the Future as it was um, Isle of Man, and we got a podium there. And, like my, I was, I thought this is this is awesome. First time out <laughs> on a major international rally, and I'm like, 
on the class podium. That's fantastic. Um, didn't always go like that. Um, that was in one of the MGZR um, scholarship cars. And then uh, after that, I had a semi-sabbatical for a few years. So from sort of 2017, I was doing a little bit of rally driving, but I was also at uni, so I, I didn't really do so much. And then my rallying really, I started getting back involved in it sort of 2011, 12, 13. And then in 14, 2014, by that point, I was in the Air Force and I decided to start taking it more seriously. Um, I went out to America in July 2014, co-driver for Chris DePlessy uh, at New England Forest Rally. And we had just the most amazing time. It was a fiesta. It was actually it had a CD player in it. And we were playing, we were playing CDs on the road section and stuff. A CD player in the rally car? Yeah, it was, a, it was basically uh, stock. It had a cage and some bucket seats and a fire extinguisher in it. And that was about it. And I think we were put into the top 10. <laughs> it's <was> brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a fantastic event. It was brilliant. so much what, fun. I can beat you. I had a heated steering wheel in the Jag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. That's... Sorry to interrupt, Carrie. No, so um, after America, um, I coded for Georgia Shields in the, a bath for a little while. Um, and, then, and then I got picked up by the MSA Academy, at the time MSA Academy, now Motorsport UK Academy, um, in 2015. Uh, and I was co-driving for Reese at that oh, time okay. in, in, in the Fiesta R2. And we were doing the BTRDA series, um, 1600 series. Uh, and so I was being mentored at that time by Paul Spooner and Nikki Grist from the Academy. And towards the end of 2015, I got a phone call. At the time, I didn't have Nicky Grist's mobile number uh, because I was brand new into the academy, so I just had his email address. And this, this sort of uh, unknown number was calling me. I was on the way shopping or something. And it turned out it was Nicky. And he was like, can you basically, can you go to Finland next week to co-drive for what might end up being Toyota? Because this was before... Um, oh this was God. before This was before Toyota and Tommy Mackinnon Racing and everything had all sort yeah. of come together. Um, so he was like, there's this opportunity for a young British co-driver to go out to Finland. Um, it kind of needs to be next week or something like that. Uh, and can you go? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if you didn't um, ask the phone. Oh my God. I, well, that, that, I know. That was what I was thinking because it was a completely unknown number at the time. I was just like, uh, okay. Uh, so now I pretty much always answer the phone because you never know who it could be. Um, That's good advice to everyone listening. <laughs> I ended up going out to, to Finland for to, in 2015 and 16 to do the Toyota program, which was just awesome. Uh, co-driving for Hiroki Arai, which is Toshi Arai's son. Uh, we had some great events. I think one of my favorite results ever was we got a podium on, we got third overall on Arctic Lapland Rally, which is just a nuts rally. It was like minus 30 or something. Oh. And, um, and we, we were the first non-Finnish or, or non-Scandinavian crew and and it was just a great, great result. I, I loved it. And um, I've been back since and I, I love that rally. And then, oh, and also 2015, just before that, I, made my, I did my first WRC event, which was in Australia. So everyone, uh, that was quite it's a weird one. because extreme temperature I, difference. <laughs> yeah, and also the fact that um, I, I've had a, 
I didn't actually do Wales Rally GB till a couple of years ago. So I, I did maybe two, two or three years doing WRC events and had never actually done my home event, which was always really odd. So I, another one of those phone calls, and this is the, probably the line through this interview, if anyone's listening that wants to get involved in co-driving, just answer the phone or ask people or say, can I come and co-drive for you? Because there's a, a guy in Australia called Reese Pinter uh he's a good mate of mine now um and we just got chatting because i fancied co-driving in australia i didn't know how to do it uh i saw that he was doing some stuff out there so i dropped him a facebook message saying hey if you have any any events that you 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 want a co-driver for just let me know and he came back with actually funny enough i'm trying to do wrc australia um and i haven't got a co-driver um didn't you come out for it and I was straight on a plane, uh, and I did it. And that's how I did my first WRC event. Um, so, yeah, definitely big, the, first, the major advice for me, aside from, like, technical co-driving stuff, is opportunity is everywhere, really. Um, and you just got to try and be flexible and embrace it. Uh, then 2016, I did the DMAX series, which was really good and got me – that was the first time I'd really done anything with M-Sport um, and M-Sport Poland. And then – uh, 2017, I went to New Zealand for the first time, did the first round of the Asia Pacific Championship in a Mazda AP4 car with Reese Gardner. Everyone seemed to be called Reese. I've had, you know, <laughs> people have noticed say, that. Sorry for my ignorance, I should know this, but who did you sit with when you were doing stuff with M Sport? Uh, that was Karan Patel, who's a Kenyan driver. He was he's doing really well in the Kenyan Championship at the moment. He drives a Fiesta R5, but back then he was he was sort of stepping up he was driving an evo 10 i think in kenya and getting reasonable results but he wanted to get better so he thought the, the best place to get better would be to come and do wrc events in the r in r2 car um as a, like a learning experience and he did re he did really well he came on a lot over the year um i was sorted out with that position because uh through tapio laukinen who i knew through my finnish friends and he he was like i, I he was mentoring this this Kenyan driver and he said, do you want to come and do this? So I, I got the opportunity to do that, uh, which is really cool. Uh, Tapio is a really nice guy. And, um, and I, spent, I, I went on, actually went on holiday with him that year as well. I went out to Finland. <laughs> um, yeah, then 2017, just some Asia Pacific stuff and bits and bobs in the WRC. Uh, I didn't have a full program that year. Just um, did Corsica, uh, Australia again, I think. And uh, I did some I did Germany, I think, with Tom. Um, was that year? And then, then 2018 went to Mexico. I love Mexico; such an awesome rally. Um, really, really cool. Really hard one for us. Which we yeah, other other stuff happened. It was a very, very challenging event for us. But uh, but in terms of like fans, absolutely nuts. Would you say on par with or more than Finland? I would say. <laughs> different so finland the fans are absolutely brilliant and they're really really passionate um mexico just the volume of people there we were swamped and they were all really passionate um but i just couldn't get over how many people were turning up to watch this rally it was yeah. just the most amazing carnival kind of atmosphere uh yeah and so yeah and then tom and i went tom williams and i went on to do the rest of the junior wrc in 2018 
And I also went on to do Australia again at the end of that year. And then last year we did uh, Junior WRC again and um, a couple of, I think we did a couple of other events in between. And then this year, here we are. <laughs> hey, you didn't, you didn't say that you swapped Australia for the local event that you did with Ross. I can't remember where it was because we drove at ridiculous time in the morning to get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how swapped or swapped it, it was, but uh, I, yeah, I should, remember, I should bring that in. So 2019, I, I won the Royal Air Force Rally Championship with a huge amount of help from, uh, from Ross. Um, it's okay, I wasn't asking you to punt to him, it was just because it was, it's quite funny, the extreme events that you've done, like little kind of single <laughs> venues to like big stuff in Australia. So, yeah, but it's, I think it's equally important. Like I'm, I love rallying and just doing rallies, but also if I've committed to do a championship, I'll, I'll do it. So the RAF Rally Championship, generally runs are very much like a lot of club championships where you can do what events you want you pick you nominate what round you want to go to but part of the social and sort of development aspect of it is there's one final round you everyone has to go to 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 score points um and and they choose a single venue every year that's accessible to everybody to go to uh, and last year it was a blighton at the end of the year but i didn't have a driver for it at the time uh so i randomly sent Ross <laughs> a message <laughs> and, he, and saying would you fancy doing this rally and uh, and he said yes and we went and we we uh, you turned up the pair of you turned up <laughs> uh, I don't know what time it was awfully awfully late or early depending which way you it was uh, I think because we'd left by the way I was service crew just put into the perspective you did a really good job of service crew this thing was <laughs> no, it didn't. I think I kind of mothered you more I did like some good I definitely put the wheels on a few times, but uh, yeah. This it, was, it was good service crew. The whole thing was a brilliant team, all three of us. It was good fun. <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd left, uh, I feel like 11 o'clock from Cheltenham, and then we drove to the hotel that we didn't get to until like two or three in the morning. I feel like it was three. I don't know why it was so late, just typical. And then I think we had like two hours sleep and got up and then got to the venue. But it was a great event, wasn't it? And as you said, it's, it's important to support the local and um, single venues though, isn't it? And you know, for the car clubs and also for the RF championship that you're doing. That's a fantastic win. Yeah, it was it's something I I can't uh I can't believe we pulled it off, to be honest. As in all of it coming together. I, I'm so grateful to you and Ross for dragging a car all the way across from 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 the other side of the country just so I could win a championship. But um we had such good fun. It was such a good event and that's kind of what I love about rallying is is the different things you can do and and the friends you've got because you know people help each other out and you know it would have been very easy for us to go you know I'm busy that weekend or you know it's, whereas he's like no let's go and do it it'll be great fun and, and we did we had a, all, all three of the things we had a great time um, and yeah I, I managed to win the RF Valley Championship last year which is something I've been chasing for many many years and it's been it's been great and uh hopefully we can well the championship unfortunately has been cancelled this year because of the, the coronavirus situation but hopefully i can hang on to it in 2021 yes yeah fingers crossed um i won't keep you too much more because i know that i've got a limit on timing on zoom but is there anything that you think is really important to pass on to younger generations of navigators and co-drivers that are coming through or any advice you've been given that's been important and you've carried with you throughout your career 
Yeah. Um, so Apart from Monster Phone. Sorry. No, well, but that, that, honestly, that is the, the biggest uh, advice in terms of career progression that I can give is answer the phone and ask people. So I got my seat in America because I sent David Higgins a Facebook message saying, do you know of any uh, drivers looking for co-drivers in America? And three months went past and, and, and he, he replied saying, not at the time. I don't know anyone at the time, but three months went past. And then he messaged me back, followed up three months later saying, actually, I've heard of this. Are you still up for coming to America? And, and I got to the Chris and then it happened. Um, likewise, Nick, Nicky Grist sending me that, uh, ringing me, um, uh, Reese Pinter in Australia, Reese Gardner in New Zealand, um, Miguel in Paraguay, South America. He, he sent me a Instagram message halfway through Rally Mexico saying, do you want to come and do a rally? So I think that's the key thing for progression is asking people, can I come and do some rallies with you? Um, and then when they call back and if they call back, pick up the phone and go and do it. <laughs> Technical advice in terms of actually co-driving, co-driving, um, have a plan. The best things are, uh, it might seem like it takes a lot of time beforehand, but if you've got like a schedule and you write it down and everyone rolls their eyes at co-drivers, oh, they've always got a schedule. But that makes it really easy because you can work out where you are in your day. Like on a recce, are we ahead, are we behind? Have we got time for a break? Can we take a longer break? Uh, likewise with the rally, um, have a plan. When, when, when can we move, change tyres around if you want to change tyres around? You don't, your driver will probably decide what tyre options they want to go for, but they're going to turn to you to say, have we got time to do it? And rather than you trying to work it out in, in the passenger seat of a rally car while it's all rattling around, if you can just have a quick look at your phone or a piece of paper and go, yeah, we've got time, or uh, no, actually, well, we, you never really say no, because if they ask you to change tyres, there's probably... A reason for it but there's like scale of how tight like we've got three minutes to do this we've got to go and do it now or we've got half an hour we can sort of chill out and have a drink as well and sort all that out so i think uh, having a plan is is really important i think a lot of people go into rallies um and it makes it harder than they they need to because they've got too much going on really i think they're the two bits of advice i'd give to people so let me know what you think of that episode. Get in touch, message me on Instagram or on Facebook, J Pavely Motorsport, and uh, also like and subscribe. I'd really, really appreciate your support. Um, my next podcast um, that I'm going to release could be the one where I'm answering the questions. So you may have heard um, in that podcast, um, Phil and myself mentioned Ross, that's my, my partner. He owns the Forest Experience Rally School and we met um, rallying last year. So um, he's gonna be asking me the questions if I can um, drag him onto this. Um, and I have already put onto my social media pages um, to ask people to put in some questions for me. Um, and I've had a really, really good response and there's a real mix of questions as well. So if there's any more that you think is you know, relevant or interesting that you want to know the answers to, then please just get in touch. And um, thank you again to the podcast sponsors, Group Motorsport and obviously Forest Experience Rally School. Stay safe and speak to you soon.